It's going to happen. We're all going to send a text to the wrong person. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I sent the I'm going to be late to the podcast text to the wrong person. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, questions about sneezes and bless yous, dealing with glares when you don't give up your seat, save the dates for adult-only weddings, handling rude wrong number texts, and juggling multiple birthday parties during a visit from grandma and grandpa. All that plus a postscript segment on who sits where from the rituals of dinner coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Oh, my goodness. It's summer. Summer's really here. It is summer, and I kind of love it. I know. (laughs) I kind of love it. Are you kidding me? After the winter we had, I feel like you and I are both like, hail to the gods of weather. I feel like we have a responsibility to acknowledge it every second that it's happening. All the time. (laughs) Um, In that acknowledgement, I've been starting to think about my summer vacations, and Mm -hmm. I just got a baby announcement um, from a friend who had her baby back in, I believe it was March. Oh, goodness. I have the announcement, and I'm not even remembering the correct date right now. That's what announcements are for. There we go. um, but I I was reading her announcement and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And this is someone who I actually met. Some of you might remember when I went to Omaha and I just was blown away by my hosts. Well, the the daughter of one of the hosts with whom I was very like spent a lot just of time with off. and really hit it <laughs> yeah. off, really like her and her family quite a bit. Um, she and I had talked about me coming to visit her in Fort Worth, Texas, where she lives. And at the same time, she was like eight months pregnant then. So it was going to be like, OK, when do we do this trip because you're about to have a newborn, that sort of thing. So I've been holding off, but I keep letting her know, hey, would definitely love to take you up and in, on your offer. And in all of her notes to me, she's been writing, hey, I'm really serious, definitely want you to come. And then I got the I got the card from her and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, I hope I can I can work myself up to saying when's a good time to come visit that sort of thing. But they have a new baby, Lizzie. Don't yeah. don't push. Don't push. And the other day, I was actually about to throw the envelope out, and I realized, oh, my gosh, there's a note in the envelope. Son and there was gun. there was actually a personalized back-and-front handwritten letter to me from Morgan, and it talked about how she was dead serious. She really wants me to get in touch with her to come visit if I would like to. Nice. And it made me feel so encouraged to text her, and that's exactly what I did. I texted her and said, I got this fabulous you know, a birth announcement. It's the best picture of baby Hudson I've seen. It's so cute. And I was thrilled to find your note in there. And I really would love to come to Fort Worth. So if you are truly serious, I am serious (laughs) in taking you up on it. And if you're not and just being polite, that's okay, too. Um, But it was wonderful because she wrote back and she said, this is so funny. We're both doing this thing. But yes, let's get our calendars. Let's have you start looking at plane tickets and let's find a great time to do this. And I'm really excited about it. It's the host guest dance. It is. And it's already started from 2,000 miles away. (laughs) And I'm also thinking about the the end of summer visit down to to Orin and the Orin spot on Long Island. Island. And it's uh, – th- th- this is so reminiscent because every year I look forward to that trip. You and, hope it's going to happen. 
<laughs> and and like like Morgan, Oren is so good as the the host. He always initiates early in oh, the summer. There's always him. like a, a basic correspondence that says, "Got to remember to get this on the calendar for the end of summer. Let me know about the weekends that work for you and other people who go." And it's it's, it's brilliant because about midsummer, I always start thinking to myself, "Oh, I want to do this. I want to plan this, but I don't want to impose. I don't want to invite myself because it, it, it's a big deal. You don't yeah. want to just push right. and." Um, and it can be hard to say no, particularly to a good friend. And yes. you don't want to put that burden. So it's so nice when the host includes that little handwritten note or reaches out to let you know they were serious about that offer. And they really do want to know what dates work for you. It's a great first step Absol- in that in that whole process. Absolutely. It makes a huge, huge difference. We hope that some of your hosts extend such an invitation with about a month and a half left. Really extend those invitations. Make them clear. Make sure your guests know exactly what you're thinking of. And we hope that you all have wonderful visits together. What do you think? Should we get to some questions? Let's do it. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave, and we begin with sneezes and bless yous. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. First, I have to say how much I love your podcast, and I love it all the more because you're based here in Burlington. Go Vermont! Over the past few years, I've stopped saying bless you when someone sneezes. I'm not a religious person, and I think a sneeze should be treated like a cough, burp, etc. When the person simply says, excuse me afterwards, and nothing else needs to be said. However, being a big fan of etiquette, I have to ask, is not saying anything considered rude? Also, I'm not sure how to respond when someone blesses me following my sneeze. I've said the quick excuse me after sneezing, so then do I need to follow up with a thank you to the blesser? It would feel rude not to, but doing so also encourages a practice of people feeling like they have to say bless you after a simple sneeze, and I'm not really a fan of that practice. Your advice on this matter is greatly appreciated. Best, Becca in Burlington. Oh, Becca. <laughs> it is a really strong social expectation, and and it can make someone feel better. So the, your core question of is it ever perceived as rude to not say bless you, I think there are some times where people see that. And that doesn't mean that you have to embrace a, a religious um, blessing. Uh, there are other things that you can say. You can always wish someone good health or say salut. Um, and that's, that's an alternative way to approach it. I wouldn't ever excuse someone else. I think you're – that you wouldn't ever say excuse you. <laughs> I, I really like wishing someone good health. I think that's one way you can acknowledge that sneeze, um, maybe give someone some response. I also like your uh, process and your thinking where you try to model the behavior that you'd like to see. You treat your sneezes like a burp or a cough that maybe was disruptive and you excuse yourself. And a, a quick, gentle excuse me is a perfectly appropriate and I think even um, for someone who who – feels the way you do appropriate thing to say after you sneeze. I also wouldn't worry too, too much for many people. Um, the, the bless you, it's like the goodbye that that uh, really, although it maybe started from a religious place, really has taken on primarily secular connotations for the vast majority of people. For I shouldn't say the vast majority, but for a number of people that use that expression. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't take too much offense and assume that someone's trying to impose something religious on you if they do offer you a bless you after you sneeze. But um, definitely continue to model that behavior you'd like to see. Continue to excuse yourself. And I really like salut or good health if you'd rather not say bless you. 
Our next question addresses, is it them or you? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My question is somewhat in follow-up to a discussion on the show a few months ago regarding subway etiquette. I'm fairly young and look around my age or possibly younger. I'm 28 for reference. I have a back injury that causes me chronic daily pain but does not require me to use a cane or other means of assistance to walk. However, walking long distances, standing too long, being jostled about, etc. can cause me a great deal of pain. Very often, when I remain seated on crowded public transportation, take a seat in a busy vestibule waiting area of a chain restaurant or doctor's office, airports, etc., I get some really dirty looks and comments from people around me who don't realize I have a chronic injury since I don't look sick and I'm taking a seat when perhaps they feel others should be able to. I do try to give up my seat for anyone who seems to really need it, older adults, pregnant women, but also feel really hurt emotionally and physically when I get dirty looks for sitting or remaining standing and in pain. Is there a way to address these looks and comments from strangers? I have tried to come up with a short explanation, but I'm drawing a blank, especially because oversharing my health information with strangers also doesn't feel like a great solution. Thank you in advance for any advice you may have. Jessica. This is a tough one. I've, I really feel for Jessica. This is not an easy spot to be in. But personally, I think that I would go the route of just if someone if someone actually dirty looks, I can ignore because I can just be like, you know what? They don't understand. But if someone actually made a comment to another person in the waiting room, that's when I would feel hmm. like, OK, you you felt big enough to say that against me fine i will <laughs> yep. that's when my own defenses come up and i will i would suggest jessica that at that point it's okay for you to explain and say one short sentence of just um i'm sorry i have chronic back pain and it really makes a difference for me to sit and that's it or just i have chronic back pain and that's it and that's it end of story don't you know if they try to engage further you can just either ignore it or you know say a gentle piece of just you know, I'm sorry you feel differently. I think, you know, you've heard Dan and I in the past talk about giving giving a look to someone who's, you know, um, opening that candy wrapper during an opera or something like that where it's really noticeable. But I think something – I think the offense they think you are causing is minor personally. I wish you luck and I think that um, hopefully it makes your, your future a little bit easier. Um, but hopefully just – the glares, I say, ignore those. There's nothing you can do. It's just someone's thought. It's just like anything. They just don't understand. Let it go. Water off a duck's back. <laughs> Best of luck, Jessica. Our next listener is wondering about save the dates. Good morning, Lizzie and Dan. I know you answer many wedding-related questions, but now I need to add mine to your list. My fiancé and I are planning a wedding for spring 2016. A big congratulations from Lizzie and I. <laughs> Most of our guests will be local, but we do have a fair number of out-of-town invitations, and for those guests, we'll be sending out save-the-date cards. We will not be having children at our wedding, and I understand how to address the actual invitation envelopes to include only invited adults. Our concern, however, is that by sending out save-the-dates to allow our out-of-towners to arrange travel and airfare, that they'll make travel arrangements for their children, too. We will be handwriting notes on each of the save the dates. Do we mention that our wedding will be adults only? Or do we rely on our mothers to convey this information to their respective families? Thank you so much, Eva. Ooh, Eva, I'm so glad you asked this question because it's a little different than the norm. And I think, you know, the normal question is just as she stated for invitations. How do I say it on the invite? Yeah, and, and yeah. I think it's really great that you're considering 
what a save the date does, which it allows someone to plan ahead and and that you're thinking about how they might wind up planning ahead. I think it's perfectly okay to, number one, and I think you would do this anyway by default, but number one, address the save the date to only the adults in the family that you are inviting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) it's not the Connors. It's Mr. and Mrs. Connor or Mr. and Mr. I like that. That's a good start. That's a good start. And then the secondly is that I do think you should have your mothers convey it because I don't think including a note. It it never comes off well to include a note anywhere that says this is adults only. Um, I think it's a lot better to just spread via word of mouth that no children are going to be at this wedding, um, that, you know, it really is just the adults that are being invited. And that being said, via word of mouth comes across so much more understandably in such a a way that people can understand it more as opposed to when they just see it printed somewhere. It makes them feel, I don't know, I I just I feel like people get a bad and a strong reaction when they see it in writing versus when they hear it from someone else. So question for you. Yeah, go for it. Given that the reality of that save the date is someone booking airfare or not, would you give the mother specific direction to reach out to the families that you know have kids? Yeah. No, I think that that's exactly what the mothers should do. I think that they – it's hard because that phone call is is a semi-awkward one. But it is one where you can say, you know, hi, Jim and Carol. We were, you know – so excited about Laura's wedding or Eva's wedding, actually, yeah. since that's our writer, Eva's wedding. And we just really wanted to touch base with you to let you know before you book any travel arrangements, we've sent the Save the Dates card. We did address it to to just the adults in the family, but we wanted to make sure you knew that because if anyone booked a child's ticket, we would feel horrible for the expense yeah. or anything like that. Um, and headed off at the pass in that kind of a tone in that kind of way. And I think you'll do just fine. Best of luck, Eva, and I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous adult-only wedding. This next question has to do with getting the wrong number, but via text. Dear Daniel and Lizzie, thank you for promulgating civilization to the world. I wish everyone listened to your podcast. If you have not already covered this topic, I would appreciate it if you would give your advice on a future podcast. My question concerns text messages I receive which are clearly intended for another. I have had the same cell number for more than 10 years and occasionally receive a text from different strangers' numbers, and they've been sent to my cell phone in error. I sometimes reply and let the sender know of the mistake. However, I recently received a response that was quite rude, leaving me stunned and reluctant to be helpful again. So what is the best way to handle a text someone sent in error? And conversely, what do I do if I send a text to the wrong number? Should I send another to apologize? Thanks again for all you do. I appreciate it. Kelly in California. Oh, Kelly, I'm sorry. A rude text can kind of sting. <laughs> I know, right? And particularly when I don't think you were doing anything wrong. And I, and I don't think you were doing anything wrong here. It's going to happen. We're all going to send a text to the wrong person. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I sent the I'm going to be late to the podcast text to the wrong person. That's right. And you did. when I found out <laughs> I that I that. had done that, I definitely followed it up with a little – Oops, meant for Lizzie because Jesse knows Lizzie and it would have clarified what might have otherwise been a confusing text. 
Um, I, 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 I like the proportionality of response. If I've said something that um, would have potentially been confusing to somebody, definitely a little oops meant for or intended for or wrong number acknowledgement, hashtag wrong number something. That, um, <laughs> hashtag wrong number. <laughs> could, could, I like that. Could give that other person some sense that it wasn't intentional um, and that they don't need to reply or respond. Um, I, I also think that sometimes it's so it's it's obviously um, it, it's it's a one off. It doesn't mean anything. Sometimes you'll receive a text. You'll know that it was a mistake. You'll know that it, maybe even the person it was intended for. Maybe it came from someone who has a number that's one off from yours that you have no idea about. Yeah. Um, and and really just ignoring it is is the easiest for everyone involved. Again, if there's any kind of important information, you want to clarify it. If you think you might have offered offense, you want to clarify it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a follow-up text. There's so little extra distraction for most people. Most people are responsible for their own phone. So it's not going to be ringing on them somewhere where they're mad that it keeps ringing or something. What do you do when you get one? I had one just two days ago, and it was weird too. Yeah. Uh, it depends. If it comes from out of state, if yeah. it comes from somewhere where I have absolutely no idea what the deal is with it, I ignore it completely. Interesting. Um, again, if it seems important, I'll sometimes text back wrong number. Sure. Like, it happens in the same way that wrong numbers happen. Yeah. And in the same way, sometimes when, when you, you call a wrong number, you get somebody who's not having their best day. In <laughs> oh my this gosh, particular instance, you clearly got someone who was not having their best day. And Can I just say the irony of people who call the Emily Post Institute was, by accident? got to tell the story. Go for it. We, we, we get calls for the post office. Oh, I wasn't even thinking all of that one. the time. I was time. just thinking wrong number, but you're absolutely right. It's The Emily Post Institute is... Listed. Somehow the way we're listed in the yellow pages, it is very easy to confuse our number with the post because office. Because we're listed under the post office. It's actually there. And I think it might even appear on the top no, right corner of like the page with, as, yeah. It's like with it. It's like it literally <laughs> thinks we are a post office. So these people are not wrong to think the number they're looking at. Mm. They just don't realize they're calling the Emily Post Institute. To, to the point where we keep the number for the post office on most of the office phones. Oh, you're good. I don't. And <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I helpful. should know the branch offices because that's usually what they want to know, the number for their local branch office. Well, anyway. do you have the number? <laughs> no. So, Kelly, take comfort. You did nothing wrong. And um, don't let the trauma of a rude experience dissuade you from continuing to help people out and let them know when they've sent you a message in air. Our next question was left on the Awesome Etiquette hotline, and you can leave your question for Awesome Etiquette at 802-866-0860. And it deals with multiple invitations and birthday parties. Lizzie and Dan, this is Erica. I'm calling about an etiquette question for multiple invitations. So I have a three-year-old boy, and he's often invited to many birthday parties. This Saturday, he was invited to two birthday parties at the same time. And also, my parents decided to come in town at the last minute for a weekend visit to see him. I had already planned on attending one of the birthday parties before I knew that my parents were coming in town. And now that they're coming, I feel like I shouldn't take him to that birthday party because I hardly see my family and I feel like he needs to be home spending time with him. But one of my neighbors across the street, her son is also having a birthday party at the same time, which my parents have a great relationship with. Would it be rude to not go to the first birthday party that we had planned on coming because my family's in town 
and go to the one across the street because everyone has a relationship with each other? Or would it be better just not to go to any in case this family that we had thought we were going to get to go celebrate with would find out and think that we just didn't want to go to theirs? This is such a great question because this definitely happens to parents a lot. And, you know, I can even remember as a kid, like, ooh, I have an invite to one. And then, ooh, I get the invite to the friend who's like my best friend. And what do you Birthday do? Birthday parties and, are the social yeah, event. They are <laughs> until when you're, you're a little. Age. <laughs> when you're little. Um, but basically, when it when it comes to this type of situation, you know, the the best thing to do is to honor the intention that that Erica's expressing, which is she wants her son to spend time with his grandparents. So I think the best way to really do that is to probably not go to either birthday party, but instead call and say, listen, my parents are stopping by. It's a surprise visit. Um, I unfortunately need to just or I wouldn't say unfortunately. Instead, I would put it in the positive. I would really love it if Sam and I could come and drop off a present for Joey just to wish him a happy birthday. But we won't be able to stay for the party because it's time to spend with his grandparents. And once again, you nail it with the sample script because this is a really tricky thing. Um, Once (laughs) you've said yes to an invitation, backing out is a is a really delicate and tricky matter. It's 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 why right from the start, this question poses so poses some trouble in yeah. in in that 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 the the caller is aware that the place that you're starting from is a place where you're going to start with a breach of etiquette. Exactly. And I think that um, stopping by both parties and dropping off the gift is a great way for your son to still honor the birthdays that are happening and his friends and all of that and wish them a happy birthday and everything. But you are being honest because I think what would happen if you canceled the first birthday party but still went to the one across the street, um, it's it's not totally honoring that whole I want to be with the grandparents thing. I had the fortunate uh, experience this afternoon actually of getting to talk to Erica and, and her – by the way last week worked, we weren't going to answer her question in time for her to hear the response. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did call her and it was really funny. We talked and she said, well, you won't believe what happened. Not only did we wind up with an opportunity to show our house, they're trying to sell their house at the time of the birthday parties, but then our car broke down. So we had guests in town, no working car, people coming over to see the house. It was a mess. But what she wound up doing was calling the first birthday party and explaining what had happened and how they couldn't get there and every just everything. And they were bummed, but they understood. And then um, because the second party was across the street and they could walk to it and they needed to get out of the house for the showing, they went to the second party. So and I think given her circumstances, that's pretty darn reasonable, don't you? Well, okay, yes. And (laughs) why? Because the the danger with turning down one invitation when a better one comes along is the social implications. Right. And you're talking about situations that go beyond social decision making. Yeah, They're this the, is the, like logistical at this point and it just happens. Although I liked your honesty focus on the, 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 the reason that was given for backing out of that first invitation you really wanted to stay true to it. Exactly. So I think that intent going into all this was, was it wise. It kind of wound up happening no matter what. Yeah. But um, – What I also loved about talking to Erica this afternoon is that she said what was so important for her was to be modeling for her child, even though he's three years old, the best behavior and the best choice for him to follow. And I think as parents, that's really, you know, your kids are always watching. They are always learning. They remember experiences. Um, Maybe not when he's three, but he'll, you know, you never know. It's maybe he'll remember that, you know, from three to ten. And (laughs) when he's 25, he might not remember it. But 
but you know what? You've set a great foundation and you've been a good example. Um, and I thought that that was really wonderful. So I was glad to have the chance to talk to Erica. Erica, thank you for, for calling in. I almost said writing in, but Indeed. for calling in. And um, we hope that next time it's a lot easier and there's no broken down cars and that birthday parties can all be attended. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Last week, we had so much fun doing a postscript from Emily Post Etiquette 1922. We Boy, decided we? to to do <laughs> another little excerpt from another favorite book of ours at the Emily Post Institute, The Rituals of Dinner. The fans of the podcast will remember previous visits to Margaret Visser's The Rituals of Dinner. And uh, today's excerpt comes from page 128, and it deals with honored guests. In 1895, at the Congress of Vienna, the nations present made an ingenious choice to keep protocol but remove from it any reason whatsoever so that conflict would become pointless. They submitted ranking to chance. Ambassadors have been ranked ever since by the date and hour of their accreditation. For example, an ambassador who presented his letters in February is placed at a higher place at table than one whose credentials were submitted in March, even if the representative of a more powerful nation completed his ritual later. Any doubt about two diplomatic rivals is often ended by resort to the alphabet. The nearer the first letter of a name is to A, the nearer the name's owner is to first place. Choice being removed, protocol is demoted to being a tidying device whose very meaninglessness helps prevent resentment. I love that, the the last line, the the part about it being a tidying device. Yeah. Because the, the, it's, it's just it's such a nice, practical way to solve a problem. Whereas um, I, I love it because very close in the book, I don't remember if it's the page after or before, um, uh, Margaret Visser talks about Emily's standing based on, on where you were seated as a hostess and, and the, um, the lady of highest rank is on the host's right. The lady of next highest rank is on his left. The third lady sits to the right of the man with the highest rank as opposed to the host. This is now the the guest of highest rank. The fourth lady is on the left of the man of second rank. And it just – it goes on and on from there and it was – it's like – My head's <laughs> getting confused just hearing you I know, talk. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I understand that, that for – um, dinners with people of office, you know, for dignitaries, that sort of thing. This is this it's is really important, important, and it's very important to yeah. honor those. So I'm I'm not talking about those situations when I say compare it to today. And there are so few times when I sit with someone and wonder whether or not they're above me or below me in rank. I mean, it's nice yeah. to know when you're the guest of honor, 
and that 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 has been honored. But it's so rare that I sit down at a dinner party among friends and think I'm the third lady of standing at this table. <laughs> and instead, I think, oh, sweet, they sat me next to so and so. We're gonna have great conversation. Don't you think so? Yes, and it's funny. It's as I hear you talking, all these different things just start bubbling up in my mind. Um, I think Spill about the Bretts, our sister organization in in, in England. England, in Great Britain, and they are. Uh, for for our uh, for those across the pond, Debrett's uh, chronicles the the rank of royalty, <laughs> and yes. if you're throwing a dinner with dukes and duchesses, you can consult Debrett's books and to figure out exactly who to sit where. And we're not protocol and diplomacy experts at the Emily Post Institute. We're interested in in social etiquette and American social etiquette. So every time I I glimpse into this world, I'm a always protocol. fascinated by mm-hmm. what I see. And at this very moment, our president is talking about a. a, a historic negotiation, international negotiation. And um, I thought it was a, a rich moment. I, I didn't choose this. Lizzie chose this particular excerpt. And I was reading it this morning thinking how how historically appropriate it was uh, this particular week to be talking about international protocol and diplomacy because it's really um, in some ways returned w- with great force to our to our world at this moment. And I think it's nice to, to think about it for a second and, and remember some of those forms because they, they are so important and they do provide a structure for really important relationships to be formed and built. They do. I th- And I think there are moments to remember it. You know, if I was having – well, my boss is my father, so it's a little <laughs> different. But, um, you know, hopefully there's someone else in my life in the future. And maybe if his boss came to dinner, I would want to make sure that he and his wife felt honored at my table. I and really I, like that. <laughs> I love that, that we know where to – to seat them based on that. And I like the way that these these protocols can work to really make someone feel honored. They can. But this whole quote is about sort of removing that potential for yes! dishonor from the situation. Right. And, and that really is also when the intent. When you deal with everyone who needs to be – it's like that um, – it was – I remember when um, – I was thinking about a, a table of, of past presidents of a country club. My dad was the president of his country club, and mm-hmm. and he goes to this president's dinner. And I said, huh, well, do they seat you at round tables because everybody's honored? Or is it like, do you, <laughs> does the president sit and then, like, the next president sits to the right or his wife sits to the right? I was like, how do they do that? <laughs> There's plenty of honor to go around. Let's honor exactly. everyone. Let's make everyone feel special. Honor Let's have lots everywhere. of honor guests. But I love this, this method for doing yeah. it. It's, it's like it. they took everything out of it yeah. so that it was, as they said, a tidying device. And I think that's so cool. So another thing that just pops into my mind as yeah. you're reading is Merce Cunningham, whose idea was to introduce chance to the arts. He was a choreographer, part of the first wave modern Thank choreographers. Thank you. I'm sitting here going, Dan, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> and he used to build dances. He would throw dice and have audience members pick cards out of a deck to decide how many dancers performed certain oh, phrases. Oh, wow. Throw it to chance. The idea was to remove intention from the world. So you could strip away anybody's ability to question your choices. Ego, <laughs> exactly. You strip away the ego, and and uh, it's a fascinating exercise. And I, here we are witnessing it in diplomacy. Well, I want to <laughs> encourage our listeners to a have some fun. Have some fun with this. Look up some of these old Emily Post etiquette books, or or look up Debrett's, and maybe throw a dinner party where you do play with it for fun. You know, make someone the the first lady, make someone the second lady, make someone the lady in waiting. Whatever it is. 
just for fun to pl- to play with it and have fun with it and then also try completely removing I love the idea of of what was his name the choreographer you just Merce Cunningham Merce Cunningham of removing completely the ego from it and maybe play with ways in which you could also do that you know for nights among friends and that sort of thing because I think it's really fun when people take a minute to think about it one of our young listeners who was 13 who wrote in called it us geeking out about the finer points of etiquette this is us geeking out and I say geek out but explore and have fun with that Our etiquette salute this week comes from Katie, who felt that her hostess went above and beyond in more ways than one. Hi, Lizzie. I got it right this time. And I think she means the spelling of my name. (laughs) And Dan, my etiquette salute goes to my dear friend, Hannah. At the end of June, she invited about 25 female friends over to her family's home for a tea party. But it wasn't just any tea party. First, she welcomed us with our own teacups featuring our initials. The guests, all wearing pretty dresses, drank tea and ate a delightful brunch. Her sister, who is a photographer, took photos of all of us. And at the end of the party, Hannah gathered everyone to share some words of encouragement and prayer. And then she's presented each of us with a red rose as a symbol that we are loved both by God and by her. And she personalized a note. I'm not much of a party person. I usually leave feeling drained and overstimulated. But Hannah's party was different. The most amazing thing was that in such a diverse group, with women of all ages, races, types of employment, etc., Everyone felt welcome and comfortable. I really enjoyed the deep conversation that happened, both with the girls I already knew and the ones that I met that day. I made several new friends and left feeling energized, encouraged, and even reinvigorated in my faith. Here's to Hannah and to her family for throwing such a wonderful tea party. Sincerely, Katie. Isn't that just nice? Like when a host really goes above and beyond and you leave. I know what she means about feeling drained sometimes, uh, despite best intentions of wanting to be social and have a good time. Sometimes you're just tired. And it's so nice to leave a party where you feel... Picked up. Reinvigorated. Mm -hmm. I loved that. So thank you so much, Katie, for sharing that with us. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a message at 802-866-0860. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Our show was produced today by Steve Nelson. 